this morning. And I am going to kind of feel led on, led on my heart, laid on my heart by God to take a look at some of the uh, parables that Jesus taught. Now, I want you to listen to this number of parables that he taught, okay? Jesus taught about the two houses and what that meant. Jesus taught about the new cloth and the new wineskins, okay? The sower and the seed, the weeds, the mustard seed, the yeast, the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, the fishing net, the unforgiving servant, the workers in the vineyard, the two sons, the wicked vine growers, the marriage of the king's son, the two servants, the ten virgins, the talents, the, f- the seed growing secretly, the doorkeeper, the rude children, the two debtors, the good Samaritan, the friend at midnight, the rich fool, the barren fig tree, the great supper, the unfinished tower, and the king's rash war, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son, the shrewd manager, the servant's reward, the unjust judge, the Pharisee, and the tax gatherer, and the pounds. These are all the parables that Jesus taught. I wanted to talk just a little bit about the two houses, okay, as found in the parables that Jesus spoke on here. What is a parable? A parable is a story that brings about a meaning. It describes what the person is trying to talk about and bring about the point of what he's trying to say. And, and a lot of times a parable or a story is a great way to get your point across when you're trying to tell somebody something, right? Well, this is what it says in Matthew chapter 7. Look with me at verse, I'm going I'm to start reading in verse 15, okay? But this talks about the false prophets a little bit. Then it gets into 24, which is what I want to talk about. It says, watch out for false prophets. This is Jesus speaking. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, and thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Listen to this. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoer. Okay. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. Now, now he said, therefore, at the beginning of this verse, that means we are going to talk about a meaning about what I was just describing. These verses I just read to you. Therefore, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Remember, this is the two houses. The rain came, it did not fall because it has its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now the key to this is who hears the word of God and who then takes the word of God and implements it, puts it into their life and begins to practice it. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask you to give us wisdom as we walk through the word today, Lord, and the unction of the Holy Spirit and to forgive us of all of our trespasses and sins so that, Lord, we may not sin against you, Lord God, and that we would be an acceptable, Lord, worthy, Lord, uh, offering in your presence, Lord, that our life would, would be as, as an offering to you, Lord, as, as we act out, Lord, and perform the will of God in our life that we allow the word to penetrate us, God, and allow the word to, to come into our lives that we can practice the word and live the word. Lord, not just, Lord, in, with false pretenses, but Lord, with a pure and sincere heart. And God, we ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to teach just a minute, okay? And maybe ask you a few questions as we go along this Sunday. Now up here, he says in verse 21, this is very key and you need to really understand this very point. Now remember up here, look, let's look. Now this is where we're going to rightly divide the word of truth. We are going to let the Bible interpret itself right here. Okay, now I'm going to show you how to do this. He says here in verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And basically the house, when the rains came, his house was destroyed. Okay, now go on over here with me to verse 21 right here. And he says this. Now listen to this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Do you see this? Twice he says, uh, talks about people who's not going to make it. Okay, this guy's house crashes because he doesn't practice the word of God. He doesn't adhere to it. It's not a part of his life. Then right over here he says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord. But, but then you go on to further confuse the matter. And if you're not careful, you're not going to understand because right beneath this, it says this. It says here, Lord, these people answer him and they say, but Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we perform many miracles? And But Jesus goes on to say to these folks, he said, Away from me, I never knew you, you evildoers. Now, when Jesus says this, I want you to understand what this means. When Jesus says, away from me, you evildoers, what this means is, is he's throwing them into hell. You're not making it into the kingdom of heaven. You are cast away. 
But you ask yourself in your heart, okay, hold on just a second. These people just said, and Jesus acknowledged the fact that they did it. They said, we prophesied in your name. Okay, aren't they living it, Pastor Jay? Because they said they were prophesying in Jesus' name. But then it goes on to say this. It says, didn't we drive out demons in your name? Now one would surely think that if someone cast a demon out of someone, that that person's heart would have to be in tune with God, right? That they would be able, that they must be walking with God. But they were prophesying. They were casting out demons. Listen to this. And they were performing miracles in the name of Jesus, but yet Jesus did not accept them. Isn't that amazing? What the heck is going on here? One might say. And then he talks about this person over here who built their house on they're the two different houses. So Jesus goes on to say, Everyone who hears in verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Now, if you read throughout the Beatitudes and this sermon that Jesus preaches in this chapter, you'll notice that it is not a really works-based. It's all about your relationship with God. There are people who can invoke the name of Jesus, okay, because there's power in the name of Jesus, right? You can use the name of Jesus and you can do many wonderful works, but your heart can still not be right with God. This is the point. How is your heart with God? You may do all kinds of wonderful things and go straight to the pit of hell. Because He don't know you. So we have to understand and take a deeper look at, the, at Jesus' response to these people when they say something to Him. In order to be able to understand what Jesus is wanting from us, then we have to understand His answer to these people's statement. They said, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? Jesus' answer says, I will tell them plainly. Now, I want you to hear this. He said this, I never knew you. At no time did I know you. Do you know what this describes? This describes the kind of person that comes to church but they come to church without ever being a member of the church. And what I mean by that is they come to church without ever truly being saved and becoming a member of Jesus Christ's church. Not this little church, not my church, his church, by, by asking Christ to save them and to come into their heart. They got involved in all kinds of different ministries. They were out here in the VBS. They were out here doing all this stuff. They were helping people to get saved. They were, they were a part of all that. But Jesus never at any time knew them. 
You see, this is religion versus relationship. Religion says, do this, do that, do this, do that. But Jesus says, you better know me or you're not coming. Do you understand? Do you understand this? This is extremely important. How you build your house. I'm talking about your spiritual house. Okay? So here's the idea behind this parable. Do you have Christ as your foundation? I was talking to somebody just recently. And, you know, I I had been given this answer that, you know, you can, here's how I believe. When I hear that statement, here's how I believe. I immediately, my ears go up. Okay? Here's how I believe. I believe I don't have to go to church and I believe that I can look at the Bible and interpret it what's best for me. And I said, well, actually, that's not true. The Bible interprets itself. And God didn't design many ways for us to get to Him. That would be chaos. And where is truth in any of that? Truth isn't what you make it. Truth simply exists. And you either accept truth or you don't accept truth. That's just it. Okay? There is a truth behind going to heaven. You can go to all kinds of different churches and they can try to teach you their truth. You need to run from that. If you listen to that on the radio, run from that. Denominations begin by people trying to design their own version of the truth. You can't do that. You simply have to accept what Christ says, let the Bible interpret itself, and follow that. You cannot change what is absolutely fundamental and dogmatic and truth. You can't do it. It can't be done. Okay? You've got to accept the fact that if you do not put the words of God into practice in your personal life, you're not going to be saved. First of all, you have to express faith in Jesus Christ to be saved. Everything else you do after that point should be because of your salvation. But when you try to put works in front of being saved, you're nothing more than a religious lost person, a walking dead man. Okay? How is it that you have built your life is the question here. How is it? All right? Um, We look at... As we go through here, let's dissect this a little bit more. Talking about his statement at the end in verse 24, you can go back up to verse 15. Watch how this works. He says, now let me read 24 again. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Okay? The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Now watch this. Go back up to 15. 
Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Watch out for people who try to tell you things that isn't the truth. Why, if, if I could interpret truth for myself, then I could listen to a false prophet and say that that's my truth and go to heaven. <clears throat> that isn't how this happens. You just can't go to every church and listen to what they spew out of their mouth from the pulpit and it'd be a bunch of lies and a bunch of religions. You're going to go to hell if you try to follow that. Jesus said that. He said, listen to this, he said, they come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like all of us, the sheep of God. They disguise themselves as members of the church, but they spew lies. And then you follow their lies and you become lost and you don't know the truth and Jesus eventually tells you, get out of here because I never knew you. Okay? Because you followed all that. Watch how this works here. By their fruit you'll recognize them. How can you say that you're a, a, a good Christian and you produce bad fruit? How can, you, how can a good tree produce bad fruit? He says, watch this. He says, likewise, every tree bears good fruit and bad trees bear bad fruit. So here's a great way to look and, and dissect this. What kind of fruit are you producing in your life, spiritually speaking? Because here's a fundamental truth of Christianity. This is a, divide, a dividable situation. This is not debatable. If you are a true Christian, I want you to hear me. If you are a true Christian, here's what things will follow you in your life. You, you can't help it because you're a good tree. You're going to bear good fruit. This is what Jesus is saying. If the Spirit of Christ is in your heart, if you're truly saved, you're a tree. You're either one tree or the other tree. You're either a tree that produces good fruit or you are a bad tree that produces good, bad fruit. Okay? You can't say you're the one or the other. You just simply are one or the other. And you can't claim to be good when you're not good and you can't claim to be bad when you're good. You simply are one of these trees. Here's how to identify. In your spiritual life, I'm not talking about your physical life. I'm not talking about the money that you pulled out of your pocket just because you thought you had to. I'm talking about in your spiritual life. Let's look at this. Is serving Jesus Christ, and we're going to label these trees. We're going to see which tree this is. If, is serving Jesus Christ the most important thing in your life? To a good tree, yes. To a bad tree, they'll say yes, but they don't really mean it. Is serving Jesus Christ, is, is waking up every day wanting to do God's will the most important thing in your life? You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, I just read it because Jesus right here just said that anybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that means doing the will of God. That means doing what Jesus has spoken and what Jesus has said. Is that the most important thing in your life? If you are a good tree, that will be the fruit that you produce. If you are a bad tree, you might claim that you're a good tree, but your life, that is not the most important thing for you. Is reading the Bible an important thing to you? To a good tree, 
it will absolutely be very extremely important that you read the Bible. To a bad tree, you'll say you want to read the Bible, but you just never find time to do it. Okay? Is praying your relationship with God, is talking to Jesus Christ, is that extremely important to you? To a good tree, producing good fruit, that is absolutely essential. That I, every day, I pray and, and walk with Christ in prayer. I pray over my food before I eat. I pray, 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 because I know that God is the difference maker. To the good tree, that is the fruit that that good tree will produce. To the bad tree, they'd like to pray, but they never do. I could probably count on this hand the times that the bad tree prayed in the last month. Right? To the good tree. To the, in the fruit that you're producing, the Christian person, you want to see other people come to church because you want to see them saved, right? Or you're, you want to go out and you want to get people saved because you know in your heart that if a person does not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, there is no hope for them. Okay, to a good tree, you have found that truth and you know that truth to be so. And that's what you do. You you make trying to get people come to church or try to get people saved a working part of your life to the bad tree. Well, I'd like to do that, but I never do. Never. So you can see all this fruit that this tree is producing and you can see all this fruit that this tree is not producing. It's bad fruit. It comes up, it's poisonous on the limb. It's rotten and nasty. And no one wants to eat from it. But this one over here, it's them big, red, juicy apples. And you want to take from it because everything, everything about it is good. It's, it's planted well. It's rooted well. It's a, it's a place of rest. I can find shade and comfort underneath of it. I can eat from its fruit and gain life from it. That's a good tree. That's a good Christian. Somebody should be able to lean on you and talk to you and you tell them about Jesus Christ and they find help for their souls. But this bad tree over here, its top is out of it. It's got missing branches. It's blown down. The roots are all jacked up. There's no, there's no shade in it. It's skinny and nasty and bent over and doesn't produce anything. You see. Now as we look, go through here and look at this, he says here, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You have got to understand this fundamental truth about this. God will not allow a bad tree. He will, he, he will first try to prune it. He'll first try to fertilize it. And he'll try to get that tree to produce. When that tree will not produce, he will cut it down. Right? That's what he says. This is extremely important for us to understand this because it all pertains to the house. How did you build your life? How did you build your life? How did you build your home? Was it based upon faith in Jesus Christ? Or is it religion? Is it just religion? You know, 
the person will say this, well, I don't have to go to church to be saved. You know what? That's a true statement. But if you're saved, you're going to want to come to church. Right? They say, well, I can believe how I want. Yes, you do have the privilege of being a free moral agent. That's the difference between you and an angel. Angels don't have a choice. Okay? We have freedom of choice. The Bible says that angels look at us and wonder. They, they look at this ministry of being saved and wonder because they don't understand because they don't have a choice. They're not built with free moral agency. You can be evil or you can be good. It's all up to you. It's all up to you. It is your choice. You can, you can, yeah, you can believe how you want, but here's the fact of the matter. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So you don't, if you're going to go to heaven, you've got you to understand what this says and, and believe it and walk in what Jesus says. Now, I'm going to go back through here and just read just a little bit of this and, 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 and hear some of the things that Jesus talks about here, okay? Because this is all one big, one big sermon, and I would encourage you to read it. I should probably teach it again, okay? This is the, the Sermon on the Mount. It goes all the way back into chapter 5. Here's some of the things that he talks about that you should be practicing and you should be doing in your life. This is what he says. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except for being thrown in the fire. Listen at this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure. Listen at this. These are the things, these are the fruits that you should be producing in your life. The poor in spirit. The mournful. Poor in spirit means this. It doesn't mean that you don't have no money in your spiritual self. It just means that you understand how destitute and poor you are without Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They don't have any confidence in themselves. They believe totally that their wealth, their worth is in Christ. He says, blessed are those who mourn. How, when's the last time? You know what these, these, these altars right here used to be called? Does anybody know what an altar used to be called in the church? It was called the blanks bench. What was that, Jess? The mourner's bench. Why? Why was this called the mourner's bench? What does mourning mean? Not getting up in the morning, but what does mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, mean? What does mourning mean? I'm in mourning. Sorrowful? So why then would this be called the mourner's bench? Praying for people who's lost. You are mournful for those who don't know Christ because you know the gravity of the situation. You know how bad that's going to end up for them. Blessed. Listen to what Jesus said. Blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted. You, you realize your own personal situation. 
how bad that you were and how much you need Christ and you, and you don't want to offend him and, and how bad it is for others who don't know him. And when you're like that in your heart, God will comfort you. Okay? Listen to this. Meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do you guys hunger and thirst for righteousness? Righteousness is having right standing with God. Do you hunger for that? Do you thirst for that? Okay. Are you merciful? Are you pure in heart? Are you a peacemaker? Are you persecuted because of righteousness? Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, and say all evil against you because of me. When's the last time anybody talked bad about you because you're a Christian? Can anybody say they've been talked bad about because they're a Christian? I'm telling you, if, if you ain't doing enough to where somebody ain't trying to talk about you because of you, you're some radical Christian, then maybe you're not doing enough. I mean, you know, People will insult you because you won't go along with them. Do you stand against the world enough to where people will see a difference in you and, and that because of that, they might forsake you? That's what they did to Jesus. And if Jesus is in your heart, then why ain't they doing that to you? Boy, that, these are tough questions, are they not? Okay. He says, you're the light of the world. He said, don't think that I've come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. Then he talks about anger. Then he talks about lust. Then he talks about divorce. Then he talks about vows. Then he talks about revenge. Okay. You've heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. My gosh. If we are not living under that right now, the first person that gets hurt, the first black person that gets tased or anything else, even though there's been 65 million other people that got shot today that nobody cares about, we're going to do an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And listen to what Jesus says about that. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. You're not supposed to be like that. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, offering the other. If anyone, wants, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, won't you just go ahead and give them your cloak as well? Jesus said that. And if anyone, he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now listen to this. I want you to understand this and I'm going to come to a close. If anyone asks you to go one mile with them, go another one with them. Now, I taught you guys a long time ago. Who in here remembers what that means? You guys remember? What was that, Jess? Yeah, so the Jewish nation was an occupied nation. Occupied meaning this a foreign nation was had defeated them. And they were occupied by the Romans. As if, which I do believe will happen one day, America will fall. 
We're on the verge of it right now. And there are, there are powers at work right now that is trying to cause us to fall. But people are so stupid, they don't understand the antagonism that they're trying to throw on everyone. It, do, you, do, you think that it is, do, do you think that it is just a coincidence that every single time that something happens around this 300 million person country, I'm talking about have you drove from the East Coast to the West and how many days does it take you? And do, have you ever drove from our northern border down to stink in Mexico and see how big this country is? One person, one person gets hurt, injured, or shot and that instantaneously is put on the news as if the whole world's doing it to the, every black person or every colored person or every yellow person or every brown person or every white person. There's a reason for that. It looks like a catastrophe happened and we burned towns down. Okay? Which there are powers at work that control the media that want you to react this way so that America can be destroyed. We're going to fall. But in this occupation that Jesus is talking about, Imagine, let's just pretend for a minute, everything that you have and love about this country, the freedom that you have is taken away. All of a sudden, these stupid young people today, these fools that go around thinking socialism is good, finally get themselves a Mao or a stinking Putin from Russia to rule them. And America falls, and you are occupied by a foreign nation. You no longer own nothing. You ain't allowed to own nothing. You don't own no land because this don't belong to you no more. This is not the United States of America in which you're letting pass you by and let you, in which you're letting people burn to the ground. This, does, this is no longer that. You are now an extended version of China. You are occupied. You are now Chinese. And you are a Chinese citizen who are going to be ruled by the Chinese way of life that it seems to be all these ignorant young people want. Okay? All of a sudden you're here. Now check this out. These guys are walking around with machine guns making sure that you do their will. Making sure that you support the ruler, the emperor. And they're walking around your streets. And you no longer can go where you want to go. You can't do what you want to do. People's going to tell you what you have to do. People's going to tell you when you can do it. You can't, you can't go out of state because there ain't no more states. This is just China. You can't cross no border. You can't go on vacation. You can't, you can't, you will work where I tell you you will work. And if you're the kind of worker that I need over here, guess what? I'm going to come and I'm going to get you and I'm going to take your family away from you and I'm going to come and get you and put you over there because that's where I want you. You ain't going to make no money. You ain't going to buy your own house. You ain't going to start your own family. You ain't going to pursue your dreams because that's over. That's what's coming. 
Now imagine we're walking in that kind of an atmosphere. You've been raised as an American. You came to church this morning of your own free will and accord. No one tried to stop you. There was no one here to shoot you when you came in the door and take your life. There's not going to be anybody pull up in an armed vehicle, come in here and take you all hostage and take you away to some work camp or maybe just kill, kill you right on the spot out here in the road and leave your body lay out here so the birds can eat you. Because that's what happens in these places. Okay? Better start fighting for what's right because this is what's coming. Now imagine if this was going on right now and some Chinese guy came up to you and he recognizes that you're an American and he says to Nijay, he says, Nijay, pick up my bags and carry them. Now Jesus said in a Christian heart, there's one of two things Nijay's going to react here. Nijay's going to be upset and mad because his America that he loves so much that he's taken for granted that he that he didn't realize how how what these men had died and bled for overseas and got blue to bits for why why we travel to other nations to fight our wars on other soils so it don't come here he didn't realize all that but now he sees how extremely bad this has become and he's bitter and this Chinese guy looks at Nigel and says, I said, pulls his gun out, carry my stuff. I don't want to. To the Jewish people, by law, they had to do it or they could be killed on the spot. So Jesus says here in the Beatitudes, he says, don't only pick it up and carry it one mile, carry it an extra mile too. When you get there, and man, how bitter uh, the average heart would be. You know, you get to the place of this Chinese guy's uh, place of occupation or his home, and you stand there with it. You have to wait to be excused. You're dismissed. I don't need you no more. No, you look at him and you say this. This is how the Christian heart should be. The Christian heart should say, hey, listen, I carried this for you. Do you need anything else while I'm here? How hard would that be? This is what Jesus told the Jewish people. How hard do you think it was for them to hear that? I'm telling you that if your heart isn't right with God, that would be a terribly difficult thing to follow through with. You know you got to carry it or you're going to get killed. So you just go, the Simon the Cyrenian, do you, you, you want a perfect example of this? Remember when Jesus was carrying the cross and it got too heavy for him? Simon just come in with his kids. He was just coming in to worship. And the Romans said, get over here, boy. Help him carry the cross. He had to leave his child in, in this mob of people and he helped, he went over there, was made to carry this blood-soaked, nasty cross of someone he did not know who the cross was meant for the, the, the blasphemous. Now imagine that. He had to go carry the cross of someone who had been uh, judged worthy of crucifixion. The, the dogs of society, the worst of the worst. Only got crucified. So here comes Simon, and the Romans go, Hey, come here. Stop what you're doing. Pick that cross up and carry it for him. 
It's a perfect example of what I'm talking about, what Jesus is talking about. What did Simon do? Okay. He picked the cross up and the blood of Jesus was all over it. Sweat, blood, spittle, and he put that thing on his shoulder and he carried it for the Lord all the way up to the place of crucifixion like a common criminal. He, he was purely innocent. He came there just to worship. All of a sudden, he got put with the criminals and the blasphemous and he had to carry the cross. Coming to a country near you. Because fools are going to let this happen. Can't believe it. But it's coming. Unbelievable. So the Christian heart says, okay, is there anything else I can do for you? That, friends, that kind of a reaction comes from a man or a woman who built their home on the rock. Jesus Christ.